Hey, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope that this message encourages you. I hope that it inspires you. And I hope that it causes you to dive deeper into God's word. I also hope that you have some community around you that you can talk through some of these things with. Now, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of our year in the story, which is really this deep dive into God's great story and our place in it. If you'd like more information about that or more information about our community here at Restore, you can get that on our website at restoreaustin.org. We'd really love to see you soon. Thanks for listening. Just about a mile from here, up on Rainy Street in downtown Austin, uh, attached to a utility pole, there is a sign that is changing people's lives, giving people freedom and hope in ways that I've, I've never seen before. Honestly, it's so powerful that if we could take a whole church field trip there today, I would say like, let's pack it up, let's go up there, let's see it for ourselves. But since we can't do that, I think the picture of the sign will just have to do. Here's what it says. <laughs> Hufflepuffs are people too. I first saw this life-changing sign on my friend Eric's Facebook. And he had posted it. He's a great guy. He's also a Restore family member here this morning. And I just want you to take a second and listen to the heartwarming words that Eric gave us. He says, this is one of the hardest posts I've ever written. It's hard to imagine I've lived most of my life in a lie. I always thought I was a brave soul, a lion at heart. But after two gut-wrenching Pottermore results from two separate email addresses, I've learned that's not so. These are the bravest words I've ever said, but I have to admit, I'm a Hufflepuff. I know it's hard to imagine, but it's true. I thought I knew myself, but these last few months, they've been a journey. Thanks to everyone for their support. Hashtag Hufflepuffs are people too. Signed, Eric. Thank you, Eric, for your brave words. I appreciate that. Now, like half of you are super into this right now. And the other half, you have little to no idea what I'm talking about. And for you in that second group, to catch you up in the world of Harry Potter, there is the renowned Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and they have four houses, okay? Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff. Now, Gryffindor is the house of Harry Potter. They are known for their, their bravery and their adventure. Their motto is, do what is right, and their mascot is a lion, And there's Slytherin. It's a house that's known for cunning and ambition. Their motto is, do what is necessary. And their mascot is a snake. Full disclosure, I've taken the Pottermore survey, and I am a Slytherin. (laughs) I know that's controversial, but I'm one of the good ones. I'm one of the good ones. Now then there's Ravenclaw, and Ravenclaw is known for its intelligence and its creativity. They're usually the smartest person in the room. Their motto is, do what is wise, and their mascot is an eagle. And then last, and usually least, (laughs) we have Hufflepuff. They value fair play and patience. Their motto is, do what is nice. (laughs) And their mascot is a badger. Good work, Eric. In the first Harry Potter book, The Sorcerer's Stone, Uh, Draco Malfoy, a member of Slytherin House and one of Harry Potter's nemesis, he famously says to Harry, imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'd just leave, wouldn't you? (laughs) 
Hufflepuff, it's, it's always been viewed as the lowliest of the houses, right? Gryffindors are brave lions. Slytherins are cunning snakes. Ravenclaws are brilliant eagles. And Hufflepuffs are nice badgers. <laughs> Most of us don't want to be known as nice badgers whose greatest strength is being patient with people, right? It's just not that cool. And that's why people like Eric are using multiple email addresses <laughs> in an attempt to get a different result from the Hogwarts House survey. And that's why we need a sign on Rainy Street that says Hufflepuffs are people too. I think one of the reasons this sign is so funny and one of the reasons that it resonates with all of us, right, that this idea of Hufflepuffs being people too, whether we're a Harry Potter nerd or not, is because it's, it's so prevalent in our society. We have a tendency to elevate certain kinds of people and belittle other kinds, don't we? We all know that people who look a certain way and act a certain way and have a certain amount of money are more popular in our world than those who don't. In our society, we've overemphasized some characteristics and some gifts at the expense of others. And unfortunately, this isn't just a societal problem. We've done the exact same thing in the church. We've elevated some gifts and characteristics above others. And I'm telling y'all, it's been to our detriment. We've paid for it and we continue to pay for it. See, people who can talk in front of a crowd are elevated higher than people who talk alone to God. People who are good at throwing parties where lots of people come are, are elevated above people who are gifted at counseling people one-on-one. -on -one. We do this so often in our society and in the church that it doesn't even strike us as a big deal anymore. We are so conditioned to value some gifts and characteristics above others that we rarely stop and ask, is this what God values, right? Now, this isn't new information. It's not even really a new phenomenon. In fact, humanity's been doing this since the very beginning, in fact, just like us, the early church elevated certain gifts and characteristics above others. This was actually so prevalent that the guy who started many of these first churches, a guy named the Apostle Paul, he wrote about this all the time in his letters back to those churches he started. This morning, we're going to look at what he has to say about this subject in his letter to the church in Rome. So go ahead. If you have your Bible or your phone or something like that, you want to turn there, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we'll look at two other of his letters as well. But Romans chapter 12. If not, the verses will also be on the screen behind me. Now, before we dive in, let me set up the context of Romans, and specifically the context of chapter 12 for us. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome at about 57 A.D., just to give you some context, that's about 20 years after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and the first church began in Jerusalem. Now, during this time in the early church, there was this tendency for people to be elevated or belittled because of who they are or what they did. Sometimes it was racial. Sometimes it was socioeconomic. Sometimes it was gender. Sometimes it was gifting. But it almost always meant that various groups or certain types of people were excluded from being full participants in the early church. And throughout the first 11 chapters of this letter to the church in Rome, Paul says that differences in race and class and gender and lifestyle and gifting, it sh they should not divide the church. He makes that abundantly clear. 
He emphasizes that everyone has been brought together by Jesus and much more unites them than divides them. But then, as Paul starts chapter 12, he moves from saying that those differences shouldn't divide us to actually explaining that the differences make us better. Not just that they shouldn't divide us, not just that we're one in Christ, but that when we recognize, the, we embrace and uplift the differences, we're actually better all together. He starts in verse 3 by saying, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Remember that little phrase. We're going to come back to it in a second. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul says that even though we are many different parts, in Christ we form one body. This is true for the church globally. It's also true for the church locally. Even though we are different ages, races, genders, sexual orientations, socioeconomic statuses, even though we all have different backgrounds and experiences, even though no two of us are gifted in exactly the same way, even though we are many, in Christ we are one. We are one. Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. He's saying, don't elevate certain kinds of people and gifts above others. Because when you do, you miss out on the power of diversity. And I truly believe that this is a power that the church is uniquely positioned to harness. Simply because we are different in every other way, but united in Christ. But we can't be the body all by ourselves. And we can't have a body made up of only certain body parts, right? It just doesn't work. Like Paul said in verse 5, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I honestly think this is one of the most powerful quotes in the entire Bible. We belong to each other. Man, think about how our world would change if we just like really got that, that we belong to each other. We are the body of Christ. Messy, but beautiful, diverse, but united, and we belong to each other. Romans 12 isn't the only time Paul uses this body of Christ metaphor. He expounds on it in his letter to the church in Corinth, who was struggling with the very same thing. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its, par all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, I know that there's some parts in that sound kind of odd, so let me explain it. So when Paul says we were all baptized by one spirit and given one spirit to drink, what he's saying is we, we all became a Christian and were given the Holy Spirit to indwell us. You see, Christians believe that the moment you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. So when he says, right, we were all baptized by one spirit, given one spirit to drink, that's what he's talking about, that process of placing your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you. 
So Paul is saying that the body of Christ, that is the church, is united by the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, that same Holy Spirit lives in you, it lives in me, it lives in every other Christian throughout the entire planet. We are unified in that, but we are diverse in basically every other way. Verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not. That was a weird foot voice. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to read it normally. All right. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not <laughs> read too much to my kids. That's what it is. Honestly, I'm doing the voices. All right. We're going to start over. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for any reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for any reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, don't miss that, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. There are no weaker parts in the body of Christ. Only parts that seem to be weaker, but are actually indispensable. There are no less honorable parts, only parts that we think are less honorable, but actually deserve special honor. This makes our practice of elevating certain people and gifts above others a direct contradiction to the instructions of the Bible. Just sit with that for a second. What we do normally in society, what we do normally in the church of elevating some kind of people and some kind of gifts above, above others is in direct contradiction to the instructions of the Bible. And it is in opposition to God's design. This was his design. Because make no mistake about it, the body of Christ is messy and diverse. And those things are actually an integral part of the way God made it. It was his purpose. It was his design. Think about that. We just read it. God, in fact, placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. Verse 24 says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. There is no elevating of people or gifts in the body of Christ. There is no division. There is no inequality. We rejoice together. We suffer together. And even though we are many, we are one. We are one. That is what makes the church such an incredible and powerful community. We are messy, but beautiful. Diverse, but united. And y'all, we belong. We belong to each other. 
And I'm telling you guys, if we can understand and harness that truth, the church would be consistently the most life-giving community on the planet. The most life-giving, freedom-giving community on the planet. We are united in Jesus, but diverse in basically every other way. We have different gifts and passions and lifestyles and characteristics and experiences. And using Paul's metaphor here, your unique combination of these things makes you a specific part of the body. Specific and indispensable part of the body. Because you see, without each individual part present and working together, it is impossible to be a whole and healthy body. You just can't do it. I think that's what makes this body metaphor so powerful for the church. Because think about it. If one part or, or one system in your body stops working, right, you start to feel bad. Maybe you go to the doctor. Maybe you get some, some medicine over the counter or something like that, right? But two, you definitely go to the doctor, you might probably even be admitted to the hospital. Three go down, you're definitely in the hospital. You might even be in the ICU. You might even be on life support. Four go down, and it's over. Like, you can't survive like that. I believe the same is true in the local church. If we have a couple of missing parts, we're never going to reach our full potential. And if we have a bunch of missing parts... We are in serious trouble, serious trouble. I am convinced this is why homogenous churches where everyone looks, acts, and thinks the same way are ineffective and dying. This is why. Because you can't be a whole body if you're all the same parts. It just doesn't work. So often the church has failed to celebrate the beautiful diversity of humanity. We've elevated some people and some gifts above others, and we've done it to our severe detriment. That's why diversity is one of our four core values here at Restore. We believe that God has made us all different, but he has made all of us valuable. And we believe that the church works best when we embrace and empower the differences around us. Y'all, we believe that the body of Christ is messy but beautiful, diverse but united, and that we are actually better when we are all together. We're better when we're all together. So what happens when we embrace our diversity, when we empower our differences? Well, you probably won't be surprised that Paul talks about this very thing in another one of his letters to the church in the city of Ephesus. In this part of his letter, he's just finished talking about having unity in Jesus and diversity in everything else. And then he makes this incredible statement about what the church could look like if we really leaned into this. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, if we embrace unity and empower diversity, Paul says, we will grow in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul makes it pretty clear. 
If we have unity through Jesus and diversity in everything else, the body of Christ will be healthy and growing and full of love. If we stop elevating some people and gifts above others and we start empowering our differences and embracing the fact that we belong to each other, I'm telling you, the church, this church, will become the most life-giving community around. People will be drawn to the family of God like never before because we will be healthy and growing and full of love. So I'm just going to leave you with one question this morning. What part of the body are you? What part of the body are you? What is your unique combination of gifts and passions and characteristics and experiences? Because whatever it is, we need you. We need all kinds. We need Gryffindors and Slytherins and Ravenclaws. And yes, we especially need all you Hufflepuffs, okay? We need all kinds of people. You are a specific and indispensable part of the body of Christ. You get that? You are specific, you're unique, and you are indispensable. We can't do it without you. You are unique and we can't do it without you. In our body here at Restore, we need you to continue to be healthy and growing and full of love. We can't reach our full potential unless all our parts are working together embracing our diversity and working together in unity to love Jesus and to love humanity. I'm about to pray and I'm gonna be finished with my time up here with you. And after I do, another one of our pastors, Matt Gonzalez, is gonna come up and give each of us a chance to find our place as a part of the body of Christ here at Restore if you haven't been able to do that yet. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the clarity with which Paul spoke to these early churches. Thank you that even though the Bible is old and, and God, it was written a long time ago to very different people, the problems, they're just not that different from what we're going through right now. Thank you that your word is alive and active. God, and it can teach us today how we should live, how we should act, how we should treat one another. I pray against any of us individually and our church as a whole, falling into the temptation to elevate certain kinds of gifts and characteristics at the expense of others. God, we never want to be a place where that's true. Help us to embrace and empower the diversity around us. Help us to be united in Jesus and help that combination to make us healthy and growing and full of your love. And we believe that to be true. God, we trust you with our whole lives and we trust you with this church. Help us find our place as a part of your body here at Restore.